Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Company podcast. We're a brand new church launching in the great city of Manchester in the north of England. And in this podcast, we're going to be explaining who we are, how we got here, and the kind of church that we're building. We want to equip and inspire you to build a life that you can be proud of and to face your future with hope. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Kingdom Company podcast. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about flipping the leadership pyramid or building a collaborative leadership model. We think it's so important in local church um, to build a collaborative leadership model that there's not just a couple of people making all the decisions and telling people what they should do and where they should go, but that there's a model where people are valued, everybody's opinions, people are heard, people have got something to contribute because we believe that's how Jesus modeled um, collaborative leadership style. He, after all, released and equipped and trained a bunch of complete nobodies to go and transform the world with the message of the gospel. And um, so we're going to be looking at how we can build a collaborative leadership model and move away from a top-down hierarchy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, throughout his time, modeled this. It's easy to look at the the instructional part of what he brought, but in his day-to-day acting with the people around him, mm-hmm. his focus was very much on that, releasing and empowering, helping people live as powerful, resourceful individuals. And mm-hmm. there's even this story in Luke where Jesus gathers together a wider group of disciples, not just the 12. It, I think it says there's 35 teams that he gathers together wow. to send out before him before wow. he goes somewhere. Advanced team. Ad, an advanced team. Yeah. And they're the workers, they're the people in the workplace, they're the workforce. Mm-hmm. They're the the what we maybe we would have seen as volunteers or people on the edges of things, but they he sent them before him before he gets there. Mm. And I just think that's great for us to keep that in the back of our mind when we're talking about building a collaborative workforce within the church, within the gathered body of the church. Yeah. And um, it's like you say, Jesus already has a vision for the church. And uh, it's in Matthew 28, which is go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. And surely I'll be Mm. with you always to the end of the age. There's already a mission. And sometimes I think we can get caught up in church leadership where we think we have to come up with a brand new vision and a brand new mission. But the mission and the vision are already absolutely kind of uh, Jesus has already given them to us. The methods by which we achieve Mm. that vision and mission are different, but um, and different to each context and different to each city and each group of people. But Mm. I think that's what's really exciting in what you're saying there is, is, um, Jesus is clear about what needs to be done. He's just empowering other people to get involved and make it happen with him. I think that's really important uh, with him. Yeah, and this sort of flipping this around and looking at this in a different way has definitely helped us frame that discussion around how do we how do we engage our church family to feel like they're stakeholders and not mm. just consumers in the thing that we build and we're not having to retrofit so we're in a really privileged position really starting in the startup of a church you get to really consider what elements do we want to keep yes. going forward what are absolutely essentials non-negotiables within this church community and what what do we want to leave as though they were, you know, just pop them in <laughs> the wheelie bin because we're not taking them forward. 
And so I was considering, really considering, like, actually, we want to try and imagine this collaborative workspace. But what we don't think would work is a completely flat structure. What we do think would work is the ability for people to feel like they're stakeholders. And how do we do that? And we think by pulling apart in a positive way the the servant leadership model yes um our job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry so where we sit in that um organizational structure then is we're still making decisions we're still foundation pastors of this work Mm -hmm. we're still like pioneering this work on behalf of people but that's the point it's on behalf of people Mm. our job is to help others be equipped to the work that they're doing and assuming that they're already on mission in life, assuming that they're already living sent where they are, mm. we then build a structure that is the gathered body that brings that into consideration. Yeah, so it, it so looks at where people are already at, what people already have to offer and onboarding them mm. in something that Jesus would be proud of. Do you want to talk a little bit about before we get, because we get really excited about <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> empowering people. <laughs> Uh, to the people, yeah. to the people. Um. Uh, it's in the communist church, uh, but it, no. but it is releasing an equipping mm. church. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about um, you know the pyramid as it is? Because yeah. I, 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 sure. I, I, and then I'll make some comment on yeah. the pyramid. I do think, rightly so. I do believe the church has the has adapted to certain models, organizational structures that suit the time and culture that they're in. When you look back over history, there's been some really, the church has really tried to embrace that because they want that, we want our message to outlive us. We We want his message to be active in our community. And I do think we've seen in the last wave of church growth a real pyramid what would be called in business um a pyramid organizational structure where there is the ceo Mm. at the top Mm. um a man of god a woman of god um somebody who sits in that authoritative position even maybe you know somebody who brings direction who is the point person for Mm. everything and underneath that in a pyramid you see people the other employees the executives the lead department leads the heads of ministries Mm. and then at the very bottom would be the workforce Mm. and so they would it really helped to have a model like that in the last sort of 20 years especially as as culture has been developing to really spearhead the church into a relevant a relevancy within the world and transfer it over from being something that people just go and do to something being active in people's lives mm. but now we're finding ourselves in this cultural shift where for starters people don't want to just be told what to do right. but when they come to church you find that people are i would have said happy to be told what to do but i think we'll explore that they're not happy ultimately but people come leaving their you know learning behind leaving their other experiences behind leaving their expertise behind and they come and be told by somebody because it's in a hierarchical model and Mm. that's the pyramid we're we're trying to investigate and establish flipping that pyramid model Mm. so that what happens is is that rather than being at at the top and we as leadership would be at the top Mm. our position would be at the bottom of the pyramid and we want to like i suppose the reasoning for this is to is to have it so that the people that are the at the actual hands and feet of 
the church, the workforce, the majority of where people sit and live have the ability to make decisions about their faith and about hearing from God for themselves and about being able to understand and articulate what God means to them and how God's spoken to them in their everyday life, Mm. that becomes our focus of attention. So does that mean we're not going to run an excellent Sunday service? (laughs) No, of course not. We're passionate about running a really well thought through like a sp- aspirational um special moment for people on Sundays when that's the place that we gather but our nuance hopefully will be that we're focusing on helping people develop their spiritual walk in the 9 to 5 of everyday life yeah and the challenge with the pyramid being um as it is often is that all roads lead to the top Absolutely. all all power is based on the top down rather than from the bottom out and, and these um, decisions sit there right but but what what also can happen is there's an implicit or there's an implied suggestion i would contend that it can often lead to us kind of a spectator culture where the people at the top or towards the top of the organization tell me what to do or or endorse their own methodology and way of doing things whereas we when we read scripture we see that you know like you said before we're you know, we are the, look at the people who are gathering at Kingdom Company at the moment. Some of them are unbelievably highly specialised professional. <laughs> like we were, we were teaching from on pastoral care on Sunday. We had a couple of people adding greater depth. Just we you were know, like, lo- oh yeah, shoot, in with, that was a great have you idea. We thought about it like this. We thought about it like, this. Like, yeah, like, uh, yeah. There's, there's, there can be an assumption that if you're at the top, you know better than mm. anybody else. And I don't know if I, I, I know you and I don't know. We we know we don't know. <laughs> sorry mm. we know we're not the best at, at, at anything really and mm. i do i do think like it just implies in that in that cultural in that structure it can imply that we know best and i actually think like it says in corinthians like we have the mind of christ mm. there's a collective there is a collective a point of view that if we can slow down and take a risk I mean, it, and really it isn't a risk, but it feels a risk. It feels a risk if you've been brought up in a, I'm the man of God, I've got to know it all, I'm the woman of God, I'm in charge around here, I've got to do stuff. But but if we can slow down and listen and learn and open up um, avenues of conversation and inquiry, it doesn't mean that we're worse leaders for it, we're actually better leaders for it, we're actually smarter leaders for it, we're emotionally intelligent, we're spiritually intelligent when we open up avenues of conversation and influence to other people in the church. And then what I think we do is we have to get this thing, you know, we, we are already on mission. Mm. If you are a university lecturer, if you are a teacher, if you are a, a, a homemaker, it, in whatever area of life, you are on mission. You mm. do not have to have a Sunday job in order to be special before God. God already has Absolutely. deployed you in the area of life that you are at. You may not want to be there. And so sometimes what happens is we can escape into church culture. And we have a lot of people doing that, I believe. But mm. actually, if we can own the whole of our life, the context of all of our life, I am where I am. I live where I live. I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm not trying to escape it. I'm trying to see Jesus engage in that area. I think that what that does is by its nature causes people to own their lives. It causes people to see and reach for Jesus in that context. And then ultimately 
causes people to see a revival in their mm. in their inner circle of mm. living, in their jobs, in their families, and then in their homes. And that's really where the impact of the local church is. So the pyramid needs flipping because we need to stop creating models that make people think that the people at the top know everything because they don't. That's really crucial. Like, because when we, when we were given the Holy Spirit indwelling within us, there's not a differentiation between the, the kind of Holy Spirit that we all get. Yeah. That is equally divided among the people. And so you have access to that. So, are there going to be people that are areas of expertise? Of course. Are there mm. going to be people who are more well studied in certain certain mm. things? For sure. Are there going to be people who naturally have, a, a, I suppose, a more standout leadership gift or serving gift or spiritual gifts? All of them, if you wanted to list them all. Well, we would hope so, but... We don't want to create a church model that where all roads lead to the Sunday celebration. The Sunday celebration right. is really important. Yes. And Jesus modeled that. He modeled gathering in the temple courts. The early believers modeled gathering. But yep. when they gathered, they gathered for like a shared experience. Right. They gathered because they wanted to know more of the scriptures. They wanted to know more of God. They wanted to know and learn that. It's one of the most powerful learning experiences is when you learn it in a group, actually. Yeah. If you're looking at this, there's five key areas of learning, but the shared experience is one of the most powerful learning tools. So it's really important to gather, to be around other believers, but all roads in life do not lead to that Sunday celebration, which means that trying to whether you whether you're explicit or implicit about it creating a Sunday experience that becomes the most important part of somebody's week Mm. may inadvertently may I say that like you know Mm. may inadvertently lead a a kind of group of people to believe that that is the most important Mm. part of their week yeah right and actually it should be a part of your week alongside you outworking Christ in you in your everyday yeah you know, the 160 something hours that's outside of the Sunday, yeah. as much as we, well, I think it was the old, there's an old Hillsong song that talks about meeting God on a Monday, not mm-hmm. just on a Sunday. And, <laughs> and, and we have to keep revisiting this. Yeah. We have to, because in, as life is busier, as information, as we're, we're drawn to fill our time, mm-hmm. as we're drawn to pack every moment with something, not leave space for, for that to, um, a space to rest and, our minds to be blown in lots of ways. I think as the church, we have the opportunity to really turn that around, flip that leadership model and put responsibility back onto the individuals yeah. to own their own yeah. part of this collective that we call the church. Yeah, so important, isn't it? I think there's so the thing is with church culture as well, some church cultures, if you think about some of the global movements, that are impacting the Western world right now, and in a, in in really really helpful ways. There's nothing mm. derogatory or, or or bad about them. But what can happen is we can subscribe to a culture that is not indigenous to us. So we can look at models of church or cultures or cultural styles that are famous on YouTube or impactful on Instagram or you know or popular through through music. And then we can subscribe to that culture without without really we can just import a culture from somewhere else without really thinking what is God saying to me mm. in my area mm. of responsibility? What is God doing in my church that doesn't maybe look like the big church that I would really like it to be? You know, we have to be the church that God's called us to be where we are, not the church we'd like to be on YouTube <laughs> or Instagram. You know that I think that, yeah. and it is. 
I think point. it's really exciting. It's like when you're a virtual songwriter versus when you actually write a song. You can say you're a songwriter, but have you written a song? I th- <laughs> or anything in life. I can say yeah. I'm a cook, but have I actually cooked anything? I think we have to, you know, you're a disciple, said Jesus, when you do when you do what I asked you to do, not do do what somebody else showed you to do. So I do think that that's one of the mm-hmm. one of the things that we have to just like you say, if you empower people and you and you cause them and encourage them to look at where their lives are at and what is God doing in our life, then it then it then it causes them to have to lead in that area. And ultimately, mm-hmm. I think you get stronger disciples, mm-hmm. you get stronger leaders because if we're grounded in reality. If we're looking at how Christ is impacting our normal everyday life and our eyes aren't fixed on something across the world, then we're going to be more impactful. We're going to be more helpful to the people that God has sent us to reach. Yeah, and if we're looking at this continued model, I do have seen it at play in Jesus where he continually poses questions to the disciples. Well, no, what do you think? What do you see from (laughs) the story that I've told you? What do you, what are you going to do to respond to this message that I've given you? Mm -hmm. Jesus, Jesus constantly puts this back to encourage this individual in front of him. You're powerful. You have the ability. You, you can decide, you can question, you can bring strength. I, I, I'm constantly challenged by that especially when I bring myself into a position of leadership and when you have when you have people that you're working with who let's say the workforce the church you know the the hands and feet of the of the hands and feet of the gospel people who are actually out there living their Christian lives mm-hmm. um, which is all of us right Mm-hmm. But um, it's more than just that Sunday experience, but it, it's developing an understanding. When you have people who feel like they can make the most of their own decisions without having to always check with somebody above them, is this what I believe? Mm-hmm. Is this what how I should behave? Is this how I should run this thing? Is this what you were expecting? Are you happy? All these questions that come out that have constantly a little bit baffled me, even in when I've led teams and people bring... I still don't feel like I've nailed it, actually, if I'm honest. People still come to me and say, are you happy? Yeah. And I rev- I say to them, my happiness isn't important. Have have you done all that you can with what you were given? Do you feel like yeah. what's the measure of success is not my happiness? Yeah. You know, it's did we communicate our message? Did we grow closer to Jesus? Did people encounter God in um, powerful ways? Did people hear the voice of God for themselves? Did people feel empowered to be a spirit-filled witness for themselves? These are my measures, but I've yet to find a way of being able to develop this and that's why I'm looking forward to have really having a go at flipping this model because when people feel empowered to make their own decisions mm-hmm. based on you know we've created what the win is like you said before the the um, the vision of the church is set but the vehicle that we're taking it in might be slightly different when we've painted that picture really clearly mm-hmm. people make their own decisions I'm excited to see how people then actually interact differently in their day to day yeah will they occupy and own that space differently. So mm. when you have these amazing individuals that come into church, it's always, it's, it's, it's baffled me. You see some really, that you know, they're in leadership or management or, you know, owning something in their day to day, in their work life and they come to church and it's as if, where did, where did that drive that like ability to have confidence? Where did it go? And mm. this, this has been something that I'm thinking is this pyramid being the wrong way around, mm-hmm. leadership being at the top. So people don't really know if they can make a decision. They don't right. know if they have the ability to have permission to occupy that, that leadership space. They don't feel empowered. 
and um, people are kind and they just want to do a good job and they love the people they're live, doing church with and they don't actually want to rock the boat too much. And yeah, so I'm, I'd love to see, you know, people being really liberated to own and make decisions. Well, yeah, I, th- I do think, to pass some comment on that, I do think <laughs> you will you'll have a kind of person in church if you all you are all you are building is followers of your thing, mm. you will only have certain types of people in your church because real leaders, I would argue, or culture changing leaders, or difference making people who are, are innovative, who mm. are maybe a little bit rowdy, they're a little bit punk, they don't like things the way they are, they 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 they've got so called rough edges. Mm. You know, those are the people who will stay away from conformist culture. You're right. But because because they'll just think, well, this is boring. Like everything's made up. Everything's been already like drawn out for me. There's no space for me to fill. And I think one of the things, because like, of the way that we're wired anyway, mm. <laughs> is we're a little bit more from the artistic background mm. where there is this, you know, you if you 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 start from scratch, you start from nothing. And hopefully you had a good idea, but you have to make sure that you can sort of activate that idea yourself. So I think by nature, we've grown up in industries that are more self, um, self-propelling. self You have to get on with it yourself. Well, one of the things we've done in Kingdom Company, which was a real challenge to me because of the way that I'm wired, was to be more collaborative in the way that we built our values. Mm. So the vision is, you know, to see people saved to extend the kingdom of God. But the values of how we do that, we wanted to open those out for consultation with the people who we had gathered who said, we want to help you launch the church. So um, I I was really nervous about that because... I was really nervous. <laughs> I didn't know what people would say. <laughs> what if they said things that we didn't agree with and they wanted to build a church we didn't want to build? Yeah. Well, what do you... <laughs> But they didn't. <laughs> but that didn't actually happen. No, it didn't. It's really interesting. And so we spent um, a couple of months, um, mm. meet, when we were meeting every two weeks, we brought out some big big paper, a load of pens. And we talked about the kingdom of God as Jesus taught it in scripture. So our model was teaching what Jesus taught, exploring what Jesus said, mm. and centering the values around the words of Jesus and, and um, the words in red. Mm. And so... When people began to, we said, what kind of church would this look like? How could this be? It was fascinating how many um, people came up with not just the same things or similar things, but the way that they expressed themselves in such a personal way. So the themes of justice came out Mm. very strongly. The themes of safety, a safe Mm. culture for people to discover who they are in Christ. An aspirational culture where people, you know, wanted to, they wanted to be better. They wanted to aspire to more. They knew mm. that God had something else for them to do, but they didn't know necessarily, they didn't find that the pathways that they were experiencing were helping them do that. They wanted to know how to do that, mm. that, that it would be a collaborative culture was some of the values that, that we pulled out. And then what helped, what was so good about that was once we'd exhausted that discussion or people, those maybe 30 people or so um, had expressed themselves and felt like, this was there. They had skin in the game. These are some of the things that they, yeah, man, I believe this. I see this in scripture. I want to model this. Then what was fun was we were able to distill those into the written down values of Kingdom Company. And I think that was a great, a bit scary collaborative leadership, mm. but a great exercise for us to, we would not have come up with those values in such a, 
strong and definitive way if it had just been you and me across oh, the kitchen table. Oh, I think table. it's true. I'm not sure we would have been as brave, actually. Right. Um, I think having that, for starters, the collaborative work on it, brought out a bravery in all of us because there was, again, this sense of ownership. I mean, we'll... In the model we're trying to bring, we still understand that there's going to have to be leaders. We're the founders and we'll be, you know, effectively those setting the direction for kingdom companies, setting the tone and the direction that we go, holding people, holding people accountable to the values, holding people accountable right. to the ultimate goal, the ultimate Christ goal for how he wants the church, his church to be modeled and built. We need people to do that because we are on mission building the church. That is our yep. calling. We're not, yep. we're not necessarily completely out in the workplace in the in the marketplace like right. everybody else so that right. is our place of responsibility our area and we have to we have to follow through and help people make those decisions so that work that we did brought this bravery but it also it also gave us something to direct people's attention That's on right. we've like it's been a real work i think for us not to we've t- used this language not to bleed about into things that are you know when you've something's hurt you or mm-hmm. you've been challenged and when you're asking these questions what kind of church do we want to build you've got to explore what went wrong right and we've been trying to explore it in a way then that doesn't make us bleed like in a negative an unhelpful way yeah. so we're not trying to reimagine the future by tearing down the past right. we're trying to say this model that we've all been a part of has got us this far mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like rightly or wrongly we just perhaps didn't know what we didn't know mm. or I mean us I'm not saying the whole church everybody's got it wrong I'm just saying for us we didn't know what we didn't know and yeah. we've come this far and we're trying to now positively imagine the future whilst recognizing that there might have been what was good what was the best of what is and what what we want like yeah what we want to leave behind and what yeah. we want to take forward yeah. and that can only be done collaboratively because we can't our experience isn't somebody else's experience we've yeah. found that all the time there's a couple who every time we talk about a challenging experience it might have had I have a conversation later where she will say oh that I've never had that experience I didn't even realize that happened in church I'm like oh yeah Yeah. I cannot have the mind for everybody I cannot have had experienced it for everybody Mm. and there are some traits Mm -hmm. but they're not but not necessarily um, the same experiences so yeah, so the, I think the values have really helped us yeah. take it, depersonalize it in many ways. Like it doesn't become like what Matt and Claire say. It becomes, we all agreed this. And by jumping in on Kingdom yeah, Company, kind good. of this is what we're agreeing to is, you know, what does it say? We live from our God-given identity to bring justice and liberty to people everywhere. Mm. We build authentic and courageous community that reflects God's life-giving nature, which means that if life groups turn to be miserable, well, we're not reflecting some of our values because some of our values here are an authentic community that reflects God's life-giving nature. Mm. So if it becomes a misery party and people are really negative in a in a really sort of unhelpful and detrimental way, well, we can take it back to a value mm. that we have, not necessarily what Claire Hooper thinks, but what we all agreed on in the beginning. Um, I think those things are really helpful because it's, 
the shared values are things we all created in the beginning and those who mm. join us will understand this is what you're a part of. Mm. I do think, you know, value statements, vision statements, they are super, super important mm. as long as they reflect what Jesus has already said he wants to do. And as long as they're actually, you're actually going to outwork them. Right, exactly. You can have value <laughs> statements and you see that in um, companies actually, you, yeah. not just churches, but their value statements and you're like, that is not, a, they're not realistic, but they're not being lived. They're not right. being outworked yeah. or lived within that group That's of people. So it's not congruent. Yeah. And so building these building statements that are not just, yeah, like sort of good preachable statements, but mm -hmm. statements that are actually livable, mm -hmm. realistically livable mm -hmm. in the current climate that we're living in. Ones that will actually help us outwork the Great Commission. Ones that will actually help us be the church in our everyday community. Um yeah, I've enjoyed that whole process, actually, mm. of finding good. out what people think. It has been good. And um, it turns out that um, they were a lot fuller and a lot richer yeah. because we, we were able to oh, say, yeah. hey, what do you guys think in yeah, your yeah. reading of Scripture? Not just, mm. I had this thought in the bath the other day, mm. but like yeah. they're, they're rooted in Scripture, <laughs> they're rooted in what Jesus you says. You do love a bath. I do love a bath. I do love some good <laughs> thinking in the bath. So um, I'd like to just, you know, coming towards the end, but I'd love mm. to talk about a little bit about... Um, some of the systems that these pyramids need uh, so that if you have a pyramid where you have the CEO at the top and you have to create systems of governance and authority to make sure that things get done the way that the CEO um, wants them done. That's a crude example, but we've all been part of organizations or working environments where that's been the case. Mm. Um, one of the things that I'm challenged to do, a friend of mine challenged me with the thought that um, obviously we need to respectfully challenge structures that keep ministry opportunity from people and we need to create new mm. systems that help people access. Because I do love a system. Like I have a system for going to the gym. I have a system for my um, calorie intake mm. and they're good as long as they're life-giving yeah, and as long as true. they're adding value. And as soon as they're not, then we are we ought to be like instantly looking for better systems to carry their life. And he yeah, he definitely. reminded me, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Mm. He he um he reminded me that the body itself, like our physical bodies, have eleven major organ systems in the body, and that even though our Ooh. natural body, which doesn't look particularly super regulated, right, there are eleven systems at work in the body. Oh, that's already Circulatory, exciting. respiratory, digestive, mm. excretory. Never Ooh. said that word live. <laughs> nervous, rid of stuff. <laughs> our nervous systems, the mm. endocrine systems. Then there's the immune systems, the integumentary, skeletal muscle and reproductive systems are all part of the human body. But you don't see the systems. Mm. You just know when the systems aren't working right. So true. And one system, mm. when it doesn't work, affects the whole body you know my dad had a, a, a an episode with the endocrine his endocrine re, uh, system and and uh, that would needed corrected but it's a tiny little pituitary gland in the side in the center of his head and and it was sending out the wrong messages or secreting mm. the wrong stuff and it sent him all over the place oh yeah and i do think there's some this that it's like yeah. a, it's like a parable for the church it's like mm. are our systems that we're so married to are they creating and sustaining life or are they unhelpful are they are they telling us that something's not working because when the nervous system isn't working it affects the whole body mm. and i do think that's something that as we build forward 
we have to keep looking at our systems. Are they life giving? Oh, yeah. Are they are they are they transferring health everywhere, or do we do we just need to you know break them down and say, you know what, this this used to work, like you just said, this used to work, like but it doesn't anymore. How do I know? Because there's no health and no life in it because it's just an administrative thing that somebody loves. And I do think I'd love to see, I, I want to encourage leaders in all areas of their life to keep looking at the things that the systems that they're married to are not necessarily mm. the things that God wants to do going forward. You just triggered, that whole thing has just triggered a thought for me as well there in terms of systems, definitely things that I would find myself drawn to. Let me just explain it through a personal story first of all. Mm -hmm. I have a condition called hypermobility which causes me to have joint pain. When I first discovered it, I had neck pain and it was really quite concerning and so that was one of the reasons why I went to the hospital first of all and and bizarrely to me they didn't refer me to somebody to do with my neck they referred me to a podiatrist who was going to check the alignment and I ended up with insoles orthotics for my feet and my neck pain improved because I had compensation pains because there was a system in my body that wasn't working and my body was compensating for that somewhere Mm. else Mm. and if I resonate that with or you know bring that to I definitely think I've made systems myself in the church because something else wasn't working I've put in place a compensation system to try and cover for that that's gone on and I think I'm like oh if we could if we could not slow things down so that we don't get anything done but if we can think things through enough in the way that we lead our systems in the way that we put things in Mm. that are about lifting burdens that are about helping the body work appropriately and right and correct and everything can work in in unity and in um complementary not Mm. in compensation for another part of the body yeah if we can build systems in that are to do with making things function at its best, at health, at like when the body works at its best, not maybe thinking or focusing on systems. Well, I'm over here and I've got to do this because that's not working and that's not working over there. So I've got to do this. I think the collaborative leadership model, the model where we think about the workforce first, the saints, the believers, those that come and attend our church services, those that come and partake in the wonderful thing that is the local church gathering. If we build systems that are about creating health and well-being in that function, not about creating systems that bring health to that Sunday function so that Sunday isn't the focus of our week. Sunday isn't the only day of our week. I know we've mentioned it, but, Mm. you know, get nerdy about these things. But, yeah, building healthy systems and leadership models that support and promote the health and growth in the body. I'm just already excited about that kind of model of church. So true. I think we have to build remembering that Jesus is in charge, that mm. it's, we're not a CEO, we're not a business. The Church of, of Christ is not an organization, it's an organism, it's a living, growing, healthy mm. body. And so we can't, we can, we can learn from things, but we must build according to scripture and the pattern mm. that Jesus set us, which is relational, which is empowering, which is building systems that are life-giving and healthy. Mm. So hope that was helpful and um, stay tuned for another one soon. Thank you very much. Bye. 
If you'd like to know more, you can subscribe to our podcast channel for regular episodes and updates or follow us at Kingdom Company on Instagram and Facebook. Have a great day.